Hello, and welcome to the Totally Clinical podcast, brought to you by Techro. Totally Clinical is a deep dive into the freshest trends, big time challenges, and most excellent triumphs of clinical trials. I'm Hannah, your host. Join me as I chat with industry experts, trailblazers, thought leaders, and most importantly, the people benefiting from clinical research. So tune in, settle back, and don't touch that dial. It's time to get totally clinical. It is not overstating it to say that clinical research has a workforce issue. This is a problem because every one of us benefits from the hard work of staff at all levels of the industry. Now, the reasons for the workforce shortage are multifaceted. And here today to discuss more about this topic are Judy Galindo and Monica Quitiva, co-founders of Latinos in Clinical Research, an organization to help increase Latino participation within the research community. Hello, Judy and Monica, and welcome to the podcast. Now, let's start by examining exactly why there is an issue of workforce shortage in the industry. Starting with you, Judy. There's various issues that are contributing to this. Uh, One of the things that a lot of people don't know about the clinical research industry, so they don't know there's so many different job opportunities, or um, those who might have heard about it don't really know how to get started to get into the industry and learn about it. And then those that are in the industry that maybe don't have a lot of experience have trouble advancing or going on to other positions because the lack of training. Um, So clinical research has been around for a very long time. I think in general, people don't really understand what it is compared to like someone who's a doctor or vet. And I think that's why we have a shortage in the industry. But if we have more opportunities out there to get more people into the industry in the various communities, we would have a lot more people that we can put into the various positions, whether at the site level, at the sponsor, CRO or vendor level. And Monica, what are your thoughts? It's also known that the, the research industry or what we do in research is not a popular topic. I mean, nowadays with COVID, it became a little more popular, but we need to educate people about the clinical research industry and what it is to be part of this. Sometimes people are scared of jumping on on a different industry, especially this one that seems to be only for people with white coat, right? So that's another factor that could be affecting. So we need to, to start educating the younger population about it so that way we can break that stigmatization about this industry and obviously giving the opportunities to those that enter in the industry as a new entry-level positions. And in that area, we need to expand, especially the sponsors and the CROs to give opportunities for people to do entry-level positions. Because the majority of this get through the clinics. The clinics train them, and then the sponsors get them, (laughs) unfortunately, because of the shortage in the industry. I know that there's also a problem of retention. Once people have been recruited, they don't always stay for very long. Why is this and how can we resolve this? Starting with you, Monica. Okay, so I was mentioning before that the reason why is obviously because of the shortage 
So the, the site strain, oftentimes these new entry uh, level positions, and then they get opportunities or they see opportunities to go higher, which is normal, right, within the industry. However, if the whole industry, like uh, the CROs, the sponsors and the sites give opportunities to these entry levels, it will naturally bring obviously more professionals, but then at the same time, it will bring diversity. As nowadays, due to COVID, uh, people have a little bit more knowledge about what is research. And I think that's, this is the great opportunity for us to, to educate more about it. And this will help also the industry shortage and therefore also the retention. And Judy, Monica talked about how companies need to give opportunities to entry level people who don't necessarily have much experience. How do you think that this can be achieved? Because a lot of companies, they demand experience. Being a site owner um, for a small research center, uh, I think there's a lot of things different companies can do. Opportunities such as offering maybe internships, entry-level training opportunities where um, somebody can get started at your site. And from there, you can see what their strengths are and maybe what you can transition them into. So having those resources available um, could help with, you know, hiring and retaining staff. What opportunities do you have that you're going to offer at your your company to get in and to be able to advance? Because that's what people are looking for. Um, They want to get in the industry. They want to work in the field and they want to move up into and find that position that works best for them. So we have to be able to offer those opportunities, but we need to have these available at various time points, I guess, when you enter clinical research. So not everybody has that experience, as Monica mentioned, and we were talking about, but what are we going to do to change that to get those people in? And what can we offer at our sites, at the sponsor, vendor, CRO levels to get these people in? And Judy, I would like to mention also that sometimes you see that they post jobs that they say entry level, but they require one year experience. So that's not a true entry level position. What we really need is true entry level positions. Sponsors and CROs definitely play a role in resolving this problem. Judy, I know you have some thoughts about resources. I think a lot of the protocols that we are working on that we get at the site level have become more challenging in regards to the criteria, inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria, the type of participants we're looking for, and, you know, what information we're collecting in the study and in the protocol. Uh, A lot of different electronic systems, different (laughs) vendors, portals, or or diaries that we're using. Um, And so sometimes I feel as a site that the sponsors, CROs, give us the study. They give us all these things that we need to use, and they don't really provide much support, training, additional resources to help sites like ours um, recruit, uh, manage the day-to-day aspects of the study, use the various systems. Um, So it becomes challenging. And so it, it pretty much falls on the sites and the site staff to figure this out, to make sure they have the staff that are trained on how to use everything that we need to use, all the protocols, and we have to get additional staff sometimes to support specific protocols. And sometimes we have 
five or six people working on one protocol alone when we have various other protocols going on at the same time. So as a site owner or site representative, I've actually reached out to sponsors and CROs and have asked them, what support can you provide us? Because we need help. We need assistance. And some have been very responsive and have provided um, additional resources. Others haven't. So I think we just need to change the way studies are designed a little bit easier and support sites more on these studies. And Monica, I know that you also have some thoughts about training as well. Sometimes the sponsors forget about or actually don't really know how these sites work. And I think uh, that's a pivotal part that they need to get this communication, this true understanding on how the sites work. Because oftentimes, let's say in one study, the staff members could involve doctors, nurses, or other type of clinicians. And this could become costly for the site to train all these people because nobody's going to work for free, right? <laughs> Unless you're part of a, a company that does that. But for example, sometimes when the clinicians come for training and then the sponsor oftentimes just pays very little for this kind of training. So the, the sites take into, into their finance this part, right? And then uh, the sponsors need to be more in touch with the sites so that way they can understand the level of work that takes place in the sites. At the end of the day, the site is the one that do the hard work, the ones that go to the field, get the patients, do all the testing and, and complete the protocol, right? So it is important that the sponsors understand all this process and the, the difficulty oftentimes that is involved in all, all of this. So that way they could do a better work. And I think that will be obviously reflected in, in a better studies, in more diverse studies also, because the sponsors also sometimes make it difficult for the sites to get this diverse group that is needed in every study. So the support definitely um, needs to be bigger for the sites. Are you optimistic that this will happen? I am. I think it will happen and it will happen whether the, the, the sponsors work right now on it or not, because the statistics show that the population is going to be highly diverse, just United States overall. And then on top of that, the new professionals coming, which are the new generations, are looking for companies that have more meaning, for companies that work more towards this kind of goals that involve more diverse, that it works for everybody. Yeah. And as a site you know, owner working at a site level, I have seen this with some sponsors who have invested you know, their time, money, effort to support sites and to make this happen. So I am optimistic it's going to happen. It is a slow process, but it does involve a lot of players in order to make a difference. Yeah, change does take quite a while in the industry due to its conservative nature. Now, moving on to awareness raising, what other kinds of solutions are out there to help people learn more about the industry? Monica? There are a lot of trainings out there. And as uh, for Latinos in clinical research, that's part of our uh, mission, right? To educate people. So what we're doing is we're educating people in different levels. 
Uh, like for example, for people that want to know overall about the industry, we have webinars monthly. Then we also offer classes. And this we do at the University of Clinical Research, in which we have different classes for different areas. This is starting from the grassroots, like is, for example, the clinical research assistant, and then going to the clinical research coordinator, the clinical research associate, then for clinicians, for medical writers, for data management. So we're trying to educate in different levels for people that are just entering in the industry and want to have a solid foundation to start a new career, or for people that are already in the industry that want to advance into a different position. And Judy, from the site owner perspective, do you have any thoughts about the training options available? So I'm excited. You know, everything that Monica described helps me um, as a site owner bring on new people um, to start with us because I can use all those different resources that we have to get my staff trained. And then it's less time internally that we have to spend on training them because, you know, these didn't exist. These are recent the past several years, but I've been in the industry for 18 years and we didn't have all these training 18 years ago. So it is challenging bringing on new people to a site who don't have any research experience. And internally, a lot of us have to create these trainings that we have that are specific to our sites. But I always like to supplement those internal trainings with other trainings that exist in the industry that can bring on, you know, this person faster to start with. And going back to the topic of hiring people who are new to the industry, how has this gone for you? In my community, when I hire people, there's nobody with clinical research background. So I do take a chance on new recruits. I hire people with a psychology background, medical system background, phlebotomy background. At least they have that part of it and it's easier to train on the clinical research aspects. So most of um, everyone that started with us at our research center didn't know anything and they were trained internally and have been with us several years. I have a lot of new people that started recently and this is the process we have gone through. So like I had mentioned, I'm excited that these academies and different trainings exist now because it makes my job easier. And I think a lot of other research centers and other other companies should take a chance like that and bring on people. And And it is a grassroots effort. You actually have to sit with them and, you know, go from the beginning. What is clinical research? It's a lot of work. But once you go and you train that person, a lot of these people are very dedicated and will stay with you for several years. As a site owner, what types of training do you feel are most effective? Online trainings um, are excellent, but also exposure, hands-on exposure, shadowing, coordinators, research assistants, various other positions within. That's the training that's required to bring these people on. It's a combination of both. And I think sometimes we forget because we're so, you know, the past couple of years, everything's been online, electronic, remote. Um, But that person-to-person, as we had mentioned, grassroots effort, that's part of the grassroots effort of actually having them come into your site and do internships, you know, offering, opening your site to bring on these these students who have completed these programs and actually giving them the opportunity to have hands-on learning experience. Could you explain more about what specific issues face the Latino community when it comes to clinical research, recruitment and knowledge? Monica. In our community, in the Hispanic community or Latino community, I think the the biggest challenge is that we don't have 
match material or is also lack of awareness about clinical research. And this is obviously doesn't give people the comfort to be part because they're still scared of the industry or they still scared of pharmaceutical. It is important to educate them. It is important to inform. It is also important that the sponsors, the CROs and the sites work together creating material that um, educate this population. I think on the site level, we, we do a lot of work um, about it, um, but we need the sponsor and the CRO support in that area. So even the FDA now has the guidelines for diversity and have more requirements and is pushing the diversity part. Oftentimes you see studies in which you are not given material in different language rather than English. So that makes it more difficult for sites to reach out to these specific communities. Uh, like, for example, in our cases like Judy and, uh, and the sites, our sites that are located in a high population of Latino communities, we have that difficulty because uh, the material is not really available. And, um, and obviously, there are no much sites or a lot of professionals like doctors or clinicians that speak the language at the same time. So the education part is really, really important. The lack of awareness, lack of materials, that's a huge barrier. It puts us behind on recruitment if we can't recruit Spanish speakers. And sometimes occurs months and months later, we get the Spanish material. But the other issue in my community, it's about 80% Latinos, is the lack of education of clinicians who don't know about research They've never worked in it. They've never participated. So they don't talk about clinical research studies to their patients. And so this is where we need the sponsors, CROs, vendors, everybody else in the industry to assist sites in these communities to educate these doctors, to let them know that there's clinical research studies going on in the community. We're doing it at the site level, but we need more support for that. Looking to the future, how do you see the industry shaping up when it comes to addressing the issue of workforce shortages over the next few years? Monica. I have seen many organizations that right now are doing some trainings and trying to bring more of this diverse group of professionals. However, I think we all need to walk the talk because the majority of organizations are talking about this, but very few of them are really doing it. I see the companies doing it, like Judy was saying it before, I see the companies doing it slowly. They will get there, but uh, at this point where we are, uh, we need the industry to move faster. <laughs> and, and this is also to be reflected in the in the products that we're bringing to the to the world, right? Like uh, the, the new treatments and the new generation of drugs and, uh, and equipments. So I see a bright outlook. I see a good opportunities out there. But again, the companies and we all at the same time need to walk the talk. And Judy? I do see a lot of positive change happening already. There's been a lot of discussion the past couple of years. There's a lot of organizations that are doing great things already. And I think collaborating is one of the things that maybe we need to do more of in this industry. I don't see a lot of that happening. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. But maybe, you know, if there's a way we can come together and how can we work with each other to address 
the issues we have in this workforce to improve it. Um, but I do see some change already happening, and it's going to take all of us to change this, to address this issue. It's not just one organization, it's not just one company or one site. Um, but I think if we're all aware of that and we each contribute and do something to change this, we'll see a significant impact on the workforce and more people entering it who have never heard about clinical research, hopefully in the next uh, several years. Well said, and we all need to work together to improve the situation. Thank you so much to both of you for taking part in the Totally Clinical podcast. Now, to learn more about Monica and Judy's work, listeners can visit latinosinclinicalresearch.com and universityofmedicalresearch.com. You can also connect with Monica Quitiva and Judy Galindo on LinkedIn if you'd like to reach out directly. And that's your dose of Totally Clinical. You can download our podcast on Apple, Spotify and Google. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review so more people can find the show. See you on your next visit and remember to bring your friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.